Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Everything we've done since training camp is we want to earn the right to be a playoff team. Richard top teams and we're working our way to that level. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Ryan denied by Smith who saves the game again. Josh Archibald wins the game. My message today is we're trying to win. One timer score. We are dry side right circle. No risk, no game. And now we're going to have a goal reaction. This is NHL overtime. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins. This is Oscar Platt. This is Leon Dreisaitl. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers. This is oil country. And this is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. Now, Bob Stoffer on the official radio station of your Edmonton Oilers. 630 Shed. Joining you, Oilers now. Brendan, you just got a little bit of an education on the fly there after picking that song out, didn't you? Sure did. <laughs> the unrequited love that Eric Clapton uh, had for George Harrison's wife, Patty Boyd. Uh, that is part of the genesis and the origin of the song Layla. And as it would turn out, uh, Eric Clapton would... Uh, later marry George Harrison's ex-wife, Patty Boyd. So, ah, it's a great song, man. That's all I'm going to tell you. This is Oilers Now. I hope you're having a uh, terrific day. we got a lot to get to on today's. We have five guests coming up in today's edition of Oilers Now, brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Buy or lease. Buy or lease your next office network printer from the Digitex.ca e-commerce store. Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office IT and supplies. Coming up on today's show. Uh, we've got Oilers Director of Amateur Scouting, Tyler Wright, today at 1235. So we're going to move Brian Lawton up from the NHL Network, the former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, to about 1215. Uh, 105 from the Cult of Hockey, David Staples, 135 NHL Insider, John Shannon, 145 from the Oilers Community Foundation, Natalie Minkler. 
as the lottery is back up and running for the Stanley Cup final. Now, you can reach us at any time on the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline at 780-496-0063. All slot machines, table games now open at River Cree, and the poker room reopens Friday at 11 a.m. at the River Cree as well. Be sure to try one of their nine dining options, including the brand-new Italia as well. The River Cree Resort and Casino Excitement Bet on it. You can text us at 630-630 at 780-496-0063. Again, that number is 780-496-0063. That's our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Ashley Fine Floors, ready for your kids' pregame warm-up. Brendan's available at Brendan Escott. Brendan with two E's, Escott with two T's. Uh, I'm at Bob underscore Stoffer. The show Twitter account is at Oilers. Now straight into today's top story for legacy heating and cooling. Home of no payments, no interest for one year. Well, in what can be described, Brendan, I don't know about you, but that might have been one of the, I, I, that might have been the worst playoff game I've seen the entire playoffs last night between Tampa and the New York Islanders. Both teams dressing seven defensemen. Tampa Bay obviously have not had Stamkos all playoffs. Uh, Braden Point not available last night. Uh, the Islanders elected to go with 11 forwards as well. Nobody could sustain a four check. It was kitty by the door. It was like it was like watching, and they hate hearing this in New Jersey, but it was kind of like watching the New Jersey Devils when they were at their best, and the New York Islanders uh, ultimately won two one. Give me a quick thought on last night's game from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's that was Islanders hockey, you know, and they won the game, Bob. So that's what they needed to do to stay alive and, and stick around. That's what they they had. To, and got it done, right? But for me, the biggest thing was uh, I felt pretty good watching Everly uh, score that goal. You know, it was heartwarming for me. I don't know if you felt the same. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, you know what? This show's called Oilers now, and you want to win uh, the trades you're involved with if you uh, are in an organization, but it doesn't mean that you cheer against uh, the player. Obviously, things did not work out uh, the way people uh, that were making the decisions at the time uh, thought in terms of Jordan Everly. I mean, let's go back to 2016-17. Down the stretch, the Oilers put together Ryan Nugent Hopkins with Milan Lucic and Jordan Eberle. And in the Oilers' final four regular season games, Eberle had four goals and six points, including a hat-trick to close out the season um, in a game against the Vancouver Canucks. And then Edmonton played San Jose and, and, and Anaheim, and they had to split Lucic up uh, with Nugent Hopkins and Everly. Uh, Jordan Everly finished with two assists, went minus six in 13 games. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins only had four assists in those 13 games, and, and Lucic benefited from being on the first unit power play. The Oilers' first four games against Anaheim, Lucic Everly, well, Lucic Everly and Nugent Hopkins, and then later Benoit Pouliot, who replaced Lucic on that line, those guys didn't have an even strength goal in that series against Anaheim. They get one, maybe we're talking a different result. I mean, the Oilers lost three one-goal games, two in overtime in that series against Anaheim. The decision was made. Now, some have suggested it may have been cap-related. We'll never really know for sure why Pete Shirelli decided to do what he did, but he traded Jordan Eberle for Ryan Strom. Strom had a quiet first year in Edmonton, bounced between right wing and center. Um, uh, then he got flipped uh, to the New York Rangers in November of 2018. This past season, Strom had 18 goals, 59 points in 70 games, and was plus 21 as a center. The Oilers traded Strom for Spooner. Spooner turned into Sam Gagne. Gagne was at least a guy happy to be here. Uh, the Oilers ultimately flipped a couple second-round picks to get Andreas Athanasiou and included Gagne. Uh, 
in that package and and you know that's it's not pretty there's no other way to say it but it doesn't mean that you can't be happy for uh the players so i'm happy for jordan eberly he was interviewed last night uh by sportsnet's kyle bukoskis following the game on uh his game winner in ot yeah, that was uh, exciting. We just kind of kept playing our style of game. Uh, you know, they tried to limit their chances. I mean, they're a good team. They got a few, but um, obviously, Lizzie made a great play off the wall to himself and then made a great pass, and I just kind of had to put it in the open net. So, um, yeah, what, what a game. And for one that nearly went five periods, there wasn't a whole lot of shots. What was it like just in terms of staying patient and, and waiting for your opportunity to finally capitalize? Yeah, we're, we're comfortable in these situations. That's kind of the way that we play. We're just kind of be patient and um, hopefully you know, make them make the mistake and capitalize. And, um, you know, we had a couple uh, long shifts on our own end in the, in, the, uh, in the D zone with some broken sticks and whatnot, but we kind of just stuck with it. And obviously a big win. Can't help but not notice the irony of you scoring this winner back in your old barn here in Edmonton. The fact that you're playing in the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, Jordan, here in this city, what has this whole experience been like for you? Uh, I mean, the, the whole, all of it's been good. Um, NHL has done a great job of obviously keeping things safe and healthy, but, um, you know, kept the, the games are competitive. It feels like playoff hockey, so um, obviously uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And again, there's nobody that's worked for the organization that's not happy for him, that's still in the organization right now. I can tell you that right now. He was always uh, a really good guy. Uh, and sometimes guys just need a second crack in the playoffs. It's a bit of a learning curve. We saw that a bit this year with Ethan Bear and Connor Yamamoto. Those are important players for the Oilers moving forward. They had some tough moments. I think some of the criticism on Yamamoto has been a little, uh, you, you know what, like he made some plays, he just wasn't rewarded with points. But again, we talked about the fact Everly had two points in 13 games with the Oilers in the playoffs after scoring that GWG and OT last night. Nine goals, 23 points in 27, uh, check that, 29 playoff games plus seven. He's been a highly productive player when we come back uh, that was the orders now audio vault by the way for you when we come back we are going to hook up with brian lawton on orders now hi this is oscar clefbaum from the edmonton orders and you're listening to orders now with bob stoffer on 6 30 shed you can text us at 780-496-0063. Bob Stoffer with you on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Randy in Brooks says, Bob, it was brutal. That was the most boring overtime playoff game ever played. Uh, but go Jordan Everly. I believe we now have contact, uh, sure sounds like it, uh, with Brian Latin from the NHL Network. No no dice, no dice. Oh, <laughs> oh you're, you still got her up here? Okay. Uh, keep working away here. Uh, this text says, Bob, are you able to talk about the lawsuit? Uh, this text comes in on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Are you able to talk about the lawsuit against pretty much every major hockey league in North America? Sounds to me like the kid wasn't good enough to make the NHL and is blaming everybody except himself. Thoughts? You know what? This just broke a uh, half hour before the show. Um... You know, I, that's your feeling on the text. The, I mean, he didn't finish in the Western Hockey League as a 20-year-old. He ended up back in the Alberta Junior Hockey League as a 20-year-old. I don't really have a comment at this time. Uh, we'll have to get some more information. But we we live in a litigious world where everybody can sue everybody. And often, uh, somebody quoted an $800 million total. I was a little bit surprised to see that it was a 21-year-old player that had uh, put the lawsuit forward. All right, without further ado, uh, Brian Lawton now joins us. Hi, Brian. How you doing? 
You're not talking about suing me, are you? No, 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 no. Okay, I would, okay good, good, good. I, I, I would know. Be, I, I would know better than that, Brian. Uh, I, as a former agent, well, you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> well, uh, touch, touch what so far. You know, it's 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 interesting. There's a story that's just broke, Brian, uh, and the the player that has been uh, you know brought forward as the guy that's putting the the uh, the claim forward is Kobe Moore, who played with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, did not play major, bounced bounced around three different WHL teams this year as a 20 year old, and then ended up finishing up in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, I don't know enough about it. There, you know. It's a, it's an interesting situation. You're a former agent. Um, some would say that, I mean, this is, here's the thing. I think NCAA football players and NCAA basketball players should be paid. I'm not sure the market dictates that NCAA hockey players should be paid, but I sure in heck think when you look at the money that gets brought in by a school like Alabama in football or a school like Duke in basketball, those kids should be paid while they're there. They're helping. They're helping build that school. You know, University of Miami uh, built a whole medical department because of the Miami Hurricanes, who I was not a fan of uh, in my younger days, but because of their football team. So I think in certain situations, there's there, there's an argument to be made that some form of compensation should occur. But anybody can sue anybody in this world. No, exactly. And, you know, we did just see the Big Ten down here reverse their decision not to play to actually play. What coincided with that was the profitability of those individual football divisions for Big Big Ten teams. And I think the high was, boy, I thought it was in the $90 million range. This This is big business. So it's a slippery slope. How much is too much? And for you or I to determine that, you know, between hockey players, I've read I've read what's been written publicly about this lawsuit. I find it fascinating. I really, truly don't know how it's going to end up. Yeah. Um, but I'm certainly very, very aware of what's going on, as is just about everybody in the hockey world now. Well, Brian, as you know, I was on the WHL scholarship uh, committee when I was the SID at the University of Alberta. I mean, our program benefited there more than anybody. We got the best 20-year-olds out of the WHL that came to our school at that time. And, uh, in fact, for the most point, mo- most part, they still do. And that's why they're a powerhouse year in and year out. I think it's a pretty good setup, a pretty good fallback for players that cannot get an NHL deal coming out of Major Junior. It's an interesting run. But that's not where I want to go. I want to switch focus. Last night's game, tell me the truth. And I know you're the former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. But did you almost doze off watching stretches of that game last night? Because I hit the recliner a couple times, man. That was a bad hockey game. No, I didn't. I thought that the New York Islanders... We're doing exactly what they needed to do, playing as hard as they could play, hanging on at times, but also just by virtue of that's the strategy to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, just you got to drag this thing out. You got to turn it into a cage match. And they're doing a good job of doing exactly that. Now, Tampa's missing Stamkos. Everybody knows that. Braden Point out. Um you know, it's uh, this playoff is starting to look like a lot of other playoffs in the past where, you know, it's a drain. It's a challenge. It's a war of attrition. Uh, the New York Islanders, they play that way all the time. It's remarkable that they've been able to hold that up through these playoffs, but let's not forget they had a wonderful break in between. But overall, it's right in their wheelhouse. Um, they had to be super happy with that end result. Tampa, on the other hand, 
they were probably pretty pleased also, Bob, because they were able to transition from that team that couldn't play that way. Yes. Really got got humiliated by Columbus in the previous year's first round to a team that can now play that way, and they're comfortable. And they could have won that game very easily. They didn't. They'll be back at it. They'll probably have Braden Point back, and uh, the match will be on. But uh, it'll be – it's still going to be really, really tough, in my opinion, for the Islanders to come out victorious in this playoff. I will say this about both teams. Both organizations have really rich traditions of being good in overtimes. Right. Albeit the New York Islanders' history of that is a little bit old at this stage. But the organizations are certainly comfortable in overtime, that's for sure. Uh, Jordan Everly. And, hey, he's had some tough moments. He's had moments where he's turned pucks over along the boards and hasn't necessarily been able to uh, knock defensemen off of pucks uh, when he's been engaged in the forecheck. But he's now got 23 points in in 29 games with the Islanders in the playoffs. And does it just show you sometimes, uh, you know what, your your first playoff experience might be a little bit challenging, and it was for Everly, and it was for Nugent Hopkins. And Nugent, the qualifier, was pretty good for Edmonton. I think he had like eight points or seven points. And I look at Jordan Everly, and he's he's been pretty good for the New York Islanders as a, as a as a good support scorer for them uh, in the playoffs. And it, it does this maybe speak to experience and just going through a, a tough first time experience in, in the playoffs. It definitely speaks to experience and where a team is at when they get that experience. It's such a small sample size that, you know, you can't really judge a guy by that. I mean, look at Taylor Hall. He's played, what, 10 seasons? And up until this season, he participated in the grand total of one playoff win in his career. A guy that's supposed to be that guy that's responsible for wins. Never got the opportunity, obviously, played in one playoff series with New Jersey when they won a game this year, they had a few more wins, but a lot of that circumstantial. Uh, if you threw Taylor Hall in the series right now with the Islanders in Tampa, he'd be a better player. Clearly. I used to have this argument with some of the third and fourth line guys that uh, came late into the Oilers dynasty and how fortunate they were to be in the right place at the right time. The difference between like Dave Tippett was a pretty good bottom six forward, but he didn't get a chance to win a Stanley Cup because he didn't play on a team like Edmonton. You know, when you're the third or fourth line center playing behind Mark Messi and Wayne Gretzky, which is not to denigrate Craig McTavish. He was a good third line center. So was Ken, Kevin McClellan. But the point is, sometimes we have to look at the overall breadth and depth of the team, don't we, Brian? Yeah, absolutely do. And that's why, you know, quite frankly, I have a lot of respect. A lot of these guys are friends, too. But of the Oilers that participated in that time, Kevin Lowe in particular, these guys are pretty humble about it. They realize they were really, really good players. They were also really, really fortunate to be on the right team at the right time. And uh, it's great when you see that from a guy. I, I can't really think of anybody that's overplayed their hand on that. That's been nothing but humble a gentleman, uh, classy about it, because they played with and against other guys in the league, like a Dave Tippett. Mike Ramsey eventually got a Stanley Cup, but he was a good player in Buffalo through that area. era, good friend of mine. And I would look and go, man, he's just as good as a number of guys on the Oilers. It's circumstance. It absolutely is. 
This text comes in out of Edmonton. Hi, Bob. I like Brian Lawton as a guest. He's got a good head on his shoulders. The Oilers should consider uh, having him consult for them. Uh, let's get a quick couple thoughts. Bill Armstrong, uh, known well, uh, won a Memorial Cup, scored a big goal in OT uh, with, when Eric Lindros was in Oshawa. Uh, been with uh, St. Louis for a while. Your thoughts on him being the, the man by all reports going into Arizona? Uh, Bill's a great guy. I know him well. He certainly had some good experience in Arizona. Um, going from, you know, Bill was traditionally ran amateur scouting and assistant GM with St. Louis most recently. But one of my macro observations is we see a lot of GMs really struggle with hiring a coach who hasn't coached before, as in hasn't been a head coach, but has been an assistant coach. A lot of guys struggle with that. For the GM position, eh, it's you know, you've seen Paul Fenton. We saw um, Jimmy well, Curry. Just, yeah, now Bill you Zito. Know, there's, lot, there's lots of guys. Billy yep. Zito now. There's lots of guys, and there doesn't seem to be that, that challenge with it. Uh, the biggest challenge for new guys that come in like that, because – you know, the way most of the franchises are run, being an assistant is not necessarily um, a mentorship the way people would think. There's totally right. different role, responsibilities and stuff. So you've got to find people ultimately, and I don't know Billy well enough to know if he can do this, but you've got to find people that can run a business too because that is key. You, you are no longer – a lot of assistant GMs are a little bit one-man bands, that's their purview of the world. They're working closely with the GM, but they're not really worried about people underneath them as much. And uh, that's the challenge. And if Billy can do that, I think he'll do excellent. I do think he's got excellent people skills. I think he's been a really good scout. I think he's a good, done a good job as an AGM for St. Louis. Um, there's no reason why he can't do a good job for Arizona. The biggest hindrance there would just be the situation that the club is in right now. It will be a challenge to say the least, to get that club to where it needs to go. Um, they've got, you know, they've got four really good players, 24 and under, right? Clayton Keller, Jacob Chikorin, we'll say Christian Dvorak, and Nick Schmaltz, who are both 24. Okay. Uh, going to be 25 next year. Um, but then you got to figure out where you're going to take that organization. And uh, that is a very, very challenging one. I look at all these organizations, particularly when – you know, they're considering new GMs. And uh, I got to tell you, when I did a deep dive on Arizona, the way I did when you asked me about Florida a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, I didn't come up with the same um, positivity in the short term for Arizona as I did for Florida. Okay, lots of term left on the Ekman-Larsen deal in 15 seconds or less. Yes or no? If you were the Oilers, would you try to get in on OEL? I would. Okay. There's not that many quality D that come up that are in that range. So Ken Holland, he knows this. I, there's nothing I could tell Ken. But the fact of the matter is that Ken would be, uh, I would think he would be doing a deep dive, knowing full well that, man, I'd love to have that guy. But eight-plus eight million on a cap hit, that's really tough for where the Oilers are at right now. Yeah, they'd obviously have to move out a bunch of money. Brian, great stuff. we got Tyler Wright coming up a little bit later, uh, right uh, right after. So thanks for moving your schedule around for us today. Much appreciated.
Anytime, Bob. Thank you. You bet. From the NHL Network, former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, as well as the man that started up Octagon, the agency that represents Leon Dreisaitl, who, by the way, has not been on the ice yet with anybody in Germany. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, as well as Ryan Nugent Hopkins. It's uh, 12.30 on the nose. We're going to race off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.